guys, I'm Carrie, and this is Bloom Podcast. And today we have a super special guest. Hi. <laughs> I don't have a podcast. My voice. friend Courtney Cullison Howard. <laughs> don't do that. Um unfortunately my sister Courtney is not here today. She was having some car trouble, so she is not gonna make it today, but she sends her best and she misses you guys so much. But my best friend Courtney is here today to talk to y'all about something super special and near and dear to her heart. So Courtney, do you want to tell the podcast a little bit about yourself? Okay, let me pull out a list of traumas. (laughs) Okay, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm Courtney. I I feel like I'm just gonna say facts about us. I work with Carrie. Mm -hmm. Uh, We work together every day. Day. Every single day, except Ex- for yeah, except for yeah. lately, mm-hmm. which is super sad. Super sad. But um, I'm currently on maternity leave, so yes, and you have been for three months, eight years, really, <laughs> really eight years. No, three it's been months. A while. Yeah, it's been a hot minute. Um, I'm originally from Huntsville. Mm-hmm. I moved to Gadsden um, over ten years ago. Mm-hmm. I married <clears throat> Lawton, my husband, last year. And we had a little girl mm-hmm. this year. Yes. So that's why we're here. Yes, it is why we're here. We're going to be talking about a lot about that new little baby today. Yes. Um, first of all, I want to say me and Courtney have known each other for, let's see, five years now? Yeah, that's a hot minute. So I worked, um, we worked together before I went to PA school and then... I went to PA school and she kind of filled my role that I was in prior to PA school. And then I came back <laughs> and um, we didn't really know how it was going to go. No, we, bo- <laughs> we both were just like not knowing how to act around each other, yeah. I feel like. And we didn't really keep in touch while I was in PA school, which is kind of unfortunate looking back. Like we definitely should have. Yeah. But, you know, different time, place, you know, it all worked out for the best. But we started working together again in 2020 and we've been pretty much inseparable since. I can't believe it's been two years. Two and a half years. Almost. Yeah. It's been a while. It's crazy. Time flies. Time does fly. When you're having fun or not. We're not having fun. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But, um, let's go ahead and We'll do the three questions. I don't know how we normally do this. Unfortunately, Courtney is more organized. My sister Courtney is more organized when it comes to stuff like this. So I'm just going to, we're just going to wing it. And then we'll go through <laughs> our highlights and lowlights for the week. Courtney has a product that she wants to share with you guys as well. And then we'll get in what we're talking about today. Um, okay. So we ask our guests three questions every time when they come on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your favorite color and why? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Let's see. I I struggle with this so much. I feel like I change my answer every time someone asks mm-hmm. me this. Um, I've been super, super in to pink lately. For obvious reasons. For obvious reasons. <laughs> and I swore I would never be that type of person. I was like, I'll never like pink. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've been digging the pink and everything girly. Mm-hmm. But um, so for right now, for my color right now, mm-hmm. it's pink. Ask me again in two weeks, it'll be something different. Yeah. But right now, pink. Because it's girly? Yes. Cool. Yes. Okay. And then your favorite animal and why? Okay. <laughs> it's an alligator. It's an alligator. I have loved alligators forever. Um, it all started when I went to 
Mobile, there's this uh, place called Alligator Alley. And I talk about it all the time. It's literally like a jail for alligators that misbehave. Wait. <laughs> I Have I heard you talk about this before? I've talked about it. Okay. It, it, my, it was my personality for a while, so I definitely have talked about it. Okay. You literally walk, like, there's, like, these ramps, and, like, it's all above water. Mm-hmm. And there's just these big old fat alligators, mm-hmm. and you feed them, like, this little thing that looks like a turd, really. And they just eat all day. But they're, like, in there because they, like bit a dog or you know or ate a dog something like that (laughs) some of them are missing limbs it's a great time i love that okay Mm. um favorite part of nature and why i like anywhere that has water but i'm not so much of a beach girl Mm -hmm. like i would rather like creeks or like waterfalls or anything that's like not what you see every day Mm -hmm. I'm down for that, but I'm not one of those girls that's just like, oh, yeah, I'm a beach mm-hmm. girl. Any reason why you like creeks and waterfalls and stuff? You know, it's just the time that I have forced myself to go on nature walks <laughs> <laughs> to feel better. Mm-hmm. I have felt better. Yeah. You know, but every time I've gone to the beach, I mean, I've been to the beach so much, I just feel like it's overplayed. Yeah. Okay, so favorite color and why? Is basically how you see yourself and want others to see you. So it kind of makes sense. Girly, yeah. you know. Yeah. You put yourself together every single day. So day. obviously you want people to see you as, you know, a it's woman. It's not and... impressive. It's anxiety. No, no. <laughs> she literally curls her hair every single day and it's perfect. And uh, Courtney has a TikTok actually. And she's pretty much TikTok famous at this point. So we'll just go ahead and throw that out there. But everyone's not always yet. asking about your That's the your only hair. reason I have followers. Yeah. I literally posted a video the other day and I said in there, the only reason that I have followers is because of my hair. If my hair's <laughs> up, it's not getting views. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. Um, but that makes sense. The pink. I like it. And then favorite animal and why is what you want in a spouse. Uh, I got an alligator. <laughs> That's for dang sure. Big old mouth, tiny hiding in. I'm just oh my god, that's hilarious. But I can totally see. That, yeah, that makes sense. And then favorite part of nature and why is how you see God. So Aww. makes you feel better. Yeah, that's good. Maybe I do have it together. Yeah, you do. You did great. Good job. Okay, so tell everybody about your week this past week. Okay, so this past week I got to go to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And for somebody that has been on maternity leave for three months straight, it was actually a joy Mm -hmm. to be able to go and talk to other adults. Yeah. And um, just kind of be back in like a little bit of a normal routine. Mm -hmm. So I I did that and that was great. But leaving the baby was, it was a little harder than I thought it was going to be. But we made it. We survived. Would you say that that's your low light, or do you have another low light? Um, low light. <clears throat> I I feel like leaving the baby was kind of a low light. You know, I, I feel like the past couple months I've been pretty good about keeping my anxiety at bay, and it kind of went a little bit nuts. Did I went it? a little bit psycho. But. <laughs> that's okay. It's understandable. That's probably the most time you've spent away from her. Absolutely. Since you've been on maternity leave. So it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, my highlight from the last week was I was in Hawaii. And that's why Courtney was working this week because (laughs) I was gone. Um, And so literally just everything about that trip was my highlight. I had the best time. I would 100% go back. Like it's so beautiful. 
and so relaxing. But at the same time, we did do a lot of like activities. So we were very busy the entire time. Um, But that was definitely my highlight, just spending time with all the people that were there, Tyler's family. And it was, it was great. It It was was long overdue for you. And the food was phenomenal. I'm kind of a foodie. Like I really kind of. <laughs> okay, I really am. But it was so good. Oh my gosh. And I miss it already. Truly. Oh. But my low light, um, this is actually funny because the whole week everyone that we were there with was like, Oh my gosh, what's gonna be your highlight and low light for the podcast? I can't wait for the podcast to come out. And I was like, obviously it's gonna be y'all and like being here with y'all. But um something kind of traumatic happened <laughs> while we were Oh no. I, we, so we did an excursion where we rode a bicycle down a volcano. I saw that. And that's, I mean, that's kind of out of my comfort zone, honestly, but it was very fun. I haven't rode a bike in probably 10 years. It's been a long time. Yeah. But I will say I had a lot of anxiety about it. I was fine until the guy started talking about, because we rode mountain bikes down the, down the hill. And I was okay until he started talking about the brakes on the bike and how, like, they have two brakes. There's left-handed and right-handed, and one's your front and one's your rear. And one will flip you over. And one will flip you over, and that's the left hand. And so the whole time they were like, feather your brakes, feather your brakes. But then we would get to the the next part of the, the tour, and they would be like, don't feather your brakes. Like, barely do anything with this brake and then we would get to the next part and they'd be like you really don't even want to touch that and it was like what do I do do I touch them do I not and so we got to the top we watched the sunrise above the clouds and then we went down a little bit further and we took like a picture and then it was time to like get on the bike and I was like really worried and I didn't want to be like flying down this hill and then hit my brakes and be like dead yeah Uh, because really you only have a helmet on and that's it and so I did good for like the first probably half and there were these I can't remember what he was calling it but it would like curve really it was like really sharp curves yeah and like we'd go around a sharp curve and then we'd go back and we'd go around another like it was like really a lot it was very intense and so the whole time I'm just like kind of riding my right brake I never touched the left one I don't I was terrified yeah and so I was really just riding my right brake the whole time. And we go around this curve and it's a really sharp curve. And like one of the things they say, like, obviously, don't cross the yellow line. Duh. Uh-uh. Duh. Don't cross the yellow line. And I'm going down and I'm going really, I'm going a little bit too fast. And I could feel that I was going too fast. And they told us not to brake during the curve. Yeah. And so I'm like, I can't brake or I'm going to spin out. Like, I'm going to die. Right. <laughs> At least it's in Hawaii. And so, exactly. That's what I said the whole time. I'm like, if I would have died, at least it would have been here. Absolutely. So I go around this curve and I'm like, I can feel myself, like I'm leaning into the curve and, but I can feel myself still drifting out into the other lane. And eventually I do. I drift over the double yellow line. Well, I'm around the curve. Like you can't see anything. Yeah. Well, then when I pass around the curve, there's a Jeep coming (gasps) straight for me. Oh, (laughs) It's like, oh my God. And so I'm trying to get it together. I'm trying to be calm and like not overcorrect. Yeah. And I mean, like, I don't know. Tyler and Steven could probably tell you better how close I was to hitting this Jeep. But I did not get hit by the Jeep. Obviously, I'm here. 
but that was pretty terrifying and I got in the I got in the right lane and all I could hear because Steven was right behind me and all I could hear was him talk like just like laughing and be like oh my gosh and then like obviously um Tyler's mom was in front of me and um that's all she could hear she because you can't turn around right you're gonna gonna wreck and so I literally the rest of the ride I was just like I almost died like I almost got hit by a car when in Hawaii. When in Hawaii. I mean, do it big. Go big uh, or go you home, got right? To. You got to. But yeah, that's so that's my low light. I almost started. That was a long story. I'm sorry about that. But um, it was worth it. I don't know if I'd do it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's a one and done time. It was a great experience and something like, I mean, how many people can say they rode a volcano, like rode down a volcano? I personally Hawaii. cannot. Exactly. So like, that. it was a good experience, kind of bucket list kind of thing. But yeah. I've experienced it once, and that's probably enough for me. <laughs> check <laughs> check that off the list, and also check not dying off the list. Absolutely. Um, okay, so tell us about this fabulous product you've been using. Okay, so um, I lo- I've, I've said it on the TikTok before, but if you don't know me off TikTok, not that you would. That sounded so... Go ahead and plug your TikTok right here. What is your username? I can't remember. Courtney Howard? Courtney, I think it's Courtney A. Howard. Okay. Courtney A. Howard, yeah. Um, so Frank body scrub, the brand as a whole, love them. Mm-hmm. Their body scrub is how I survived my pregnancy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I told everybody <clears throat> get this scrub. So they came out with a glycolic scrub and it's basically like you do it in the shower, leave it on for a minute and rinse it off. It helps mm-hmm. with like body acne, any like, Ooh. yeah, imperfections in the skin. So when they came out with it, I was like, I've got to get it. Obviously right. I've been using it and my skin with both of those products combined so good yeah oh I love that I just remember you coming into work every day when you were pregnant and (laughs) (laughs) she would do this whole like I don't know acting it out of what she would do with her scrub because she used it you used it every day on your belly yeah Yeah. and do you have any stretch marks no perfect but I also didn't carry full term but true I do want to disclaim that yeah but no I didn't and I mean I was I was stretching quite a bit there at the very end mm-hmm. and I still I mean like not a one yeah you can get it at Ulta and it's yeah. not that expensive it's really it's not kind of a, really affordable it's yeah. kind of messy um it's, that is the downfall but of it. it is with messy. any type of scrub like that any kind of coffee scrub or anything like that it's gonna be messy so and I'm I mean pretty sure it's vegan like it's hmm. all natural because I've been using it on my face to try to get rid of acne scars Have you? yeah that's awesome I don't know looks pretty good to okay. me okay. looks great same all right, so <laughs> <laughs> prepare yourself. <laughs> I'm I'm only going to talk about one thing, um, kind of one thing that stood out to me in the last week, not necessarily the last three weeks because we haven't been on here, but obviously in Hawaii you have to use sunscreen, absolutely, or and especially me because I'm albino Same. and I haven't seen the sun in five years, so there's Same. that. <laughs> um, but you also have to use reef safe sunscreen. Because you will apparently get fined. Wait, what? Like the reefs, like coral reef. You have to use reef safe sunscreen in Hawaii or you will literally How get fined. How did you figure that out? Did they tell Lindsay you Lindsay told me at work. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, and every website that I looked at, obviously, because I did a lot of Googling the week before, like, what do I, like, what are my necessities? Like, what do I need? Yeah. <clears throat> and I'll probably, we will probably do, me and Courtney, other Courtney, we'll do a whole episode on on this later on me talking about all the things that I took or whatever. But, um, I, so I had to find some reef safe sunscreen. I was going to use super goop. Have you heard of super goop? You can get it Ulta, Yeah, but it's a little expensive. So I use sun bum Mm -hmm. and I mean, it's still more expensive than probably copper tone or or the other ones are, but 
One of the things that I use this week that I'm absolutely in love with and I will continue to use every day <laughs> is the Sunbomb Original Glow SPF 30 Sunscreen Face Lotion. That's kind of a long name. But it's basically, I think I've talked about the Tula one before. It's like Glow and Protect or something. And it has like a little sheen in it, like kind of like a shimmer. Right. But this one's a little bit tinted. So Love it kind that. of blurs your imperfections, but also gives you a pretty glow. Sunscreen for me always gives a glow. I don't yeah. know what it is. I, there's like something in it that just like gives a glow, but um, I loved it. Now it's only SPF 30. So I wore a hat every single day. I yeah. never, I took it off like very rarely. My face did not get burnt, thankfully, um, while other parts of me did, but I loved it and I would highly recommend I'd probably use it under foundation because I just feel like it would give you like that glow from within yeah. type look and it didn't break me out at all. I have a few little spots on my chin, but I think those are mainly hormonal, but I loved it and I will continue to use it and I will continue to use some sunscreen as well because it was awesome. Um, but yeah, that's my product for the week. And now we can talk about what you've been watching or listening to or reading or whatever. Okay. So I've had a lot of time to watch stuff, but Mm -hmm. one of the things I love true crime because I'm basic white girl. We all know how that goes. (laughs) Um, there's a series. Is it a series? It might be a mini series on Netflix. Um, those are my kind of shows though. Yeah. I can't, the full series are just, I can't commit. there is one on there called echoes though. <gasps> I watched it. That was wild. I loved that. That was wild. I, lo- I think I talked about that. I think I talked about it on the last podcast. I'm if sure I didn't, did. I ended up I'm finishing pretty sure it. you did. Cause that's, I think why I watched it. Yeah. It's so good. It is really but there good. Is gonna, there, it's renewed, right? For another season. It's not a miniseries? Uh, or it is? It is. I thought it was a miniseries. Oh, I don't know. Okay, we we, we, look, we gotta look that up. Yeah, y'all can look that up. Yeah. Um, the one that I watched is um, Sins of Our Mother, mm-hmm. I think. Um, On Netflix? Yes. And it is just, I'm not going <clears> to <throat> give it away because you just have to watch it because there's so many like plot twists in there that it's just out of this world. But definitely worth the watch. It's mm-hmm. not very long. And it's got... I it, need to watch it. It's like, um, you know, I really like the Corrupt Church documentaries oh, yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just get way deep into those. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of got that, like, flair on it. Yeah, I tried to watch... There's one that I tried to watch after I watched Our Father. Did you watch Our Father? Yes. Yeah, after I watched that one, I tried to watch one of those church... I think I things. Was it on Netflix? Yeah, and but it was I sickening. didn't. I didn't finish it. I didn't even get like probably fifteen minutes into was, it because I was like, "Oh, there's it, one. There's like multiple wives, and yeah, they were yeah. at like fourteen, and I can't do that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And gross it's a lot. Yeah, but um, have you been read? Do you read? Are you reading? Um, I mean, I the know last that you do read, book that I read was the one that you gave to me. Home before dark. No, Ver- you gave me Verity last. I think. Oh, or, yeah. Is that what it's called? I did send you. Yeah. That. Mm-hmm. Um. So I read that one in like two freaking days <laughs> it's so good and my mom was like what's it about and I was like you're not gonna understand it's wild I had um I still haven't finished the the one that you just said before that that you gave me home before dark yeah because mm-hmm. I got into Verity you should finish it okay, I was like reading it in the hospital and then I was like mm-hmm. you know that like her new copy of Verity I think it just came out or is about to come out and it has like an additional chapter no mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. She got us on that one. Because you know everybody's <laughs> going to buy that. Oh, I'm buying it for sure. Because I don't have a physical copy of it. I just read it on a Kindle or something. Oh. Like when I had 
COVID and Courtney yeah. was, she had it on her Kindle and she was like, you have to read this. Well, this is the first time I've heard <clears throat> hearing about her as an author. Like I heard yeah. that all of her books They're are so insanely good. good. Mm-hmm. They really are. I need to get You have more. to read more. Mm-hmm. Um, this week, I surprisingly didn't read anything at all at the beach, which is not like me because I normally will like take a few books, but I took, I took my Kindle and I couldn't connect to Wi-Fi for whatever reason, so I really couldn't use it. Yeah. But I did watch or start a show. I can't remember if I talked about this. It's called Tell Me Lies, and it's on Hulu. You would like it. It's based on a book that I read, I don't know, probably five years ago. And um, it's kind of, I don't want to say suspenseful. It kind of is, but it's like also like a drama type thing. Um, but it's really good so far and the, see, the episodes are being released weekly. So I think only five mm. episodes have been released right now Yeah, and they release every Wednesday or something like that, but it's really good. I don't know any of the actors or actresses in it. It's kind of a Hulu original, I think so, but really good and I really like it. And then I did finish a book on the plane on the way down there. That's all I read. And that was every summer after. And it was a, like a second chance romance and it's by... Carly Fortune, I guess. And I think that's her first book. And it was really good. Like, probably four stars for me. And I don't really normally like second chance romance, but this was pretty good. And I'd definitely read more by her in the future if she ever put anything out. So, that wraps up the week. (laughs) And now, today. (laughs) (laughs) So, if you know Courtney, which I assume a lot of you do because... Why are you listening to this episode? I feel like every one of Courtney's friends are going to be hopping on this and listening to it, even if they don't already listen to the podcast. But Courtney um, got pregnant this year or end of last year. Yeah. End of last year. And, um, And unfortunately had to have her baby early, 10 weeks early to be exact. Um, but she's alive and well and beautiful and perfect now. Yes. So um, it was all worth it. But today we're going to be talking about her NICU experience and also her entire pregnancy journey, all about little baby Lemon and what's going on in her life right now. And um, it is NICU Awareness Month. So we yes. did want to put a little spotlight on that. And I think NICU Awareness Day is like sometime this week. So it works out perfectly. Um, but yeah, so we have a lot to talk about today and we've already spent 20 minutes talking about nothing. So that happens. let's go ahead and get started. You've already (laughs) told us a little bit about you, but, um, let's, let's just talk about when you, like, obviously you got married last year. Right. And you knew, like, you pretty much immediately wanted to start trying to get pregnant. Absolutely. So tell us about when you found out, how you found out that whole experience. So, um, my husband and I both just kind of agreed we're in our thirties now officially. Mm-hmm. And, um, I always talk about it as like a gut feeling that I had that I was going to have trouble getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. Plot twist. That was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we had no trouble. Yeah. We were pregnant within like four months, but, um, cause we literally started trying like right after the wedding. Right. Um, so it was no matter how much I feel like you plan, you try, you're still in shock. Mm-hmm. So when we found out, it was literally, you were actually, I think, the first, I think you knew before my husband did, <laughs> um, the first person to find out. But my husband travels for work, so he's gone 
um, most weeks. Mm-hmm. So I was at home just to. I think he was getting back the next day or yeah. something, or like then in the within the next two, two days. days. Yeah, something like that. And it was it lined up right into like Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And um, so I took a test and I laid it on the counter and I actually didn't figure out till like I was a few, I guess a few weeks because looking back, there was a lot of tests that were positive that Mm -hmm. I didn't realize were positive, Mm -hmm. but I had left this one on the counter and forgot about it. Right. Truly. And I was videoing my reaction one because I wanted um, obviously to make a video mm-hmm. too. I wanted that to be like my announcement to like friends and family. Mm-hmm. So, um, set that little camera up and <laughs> forgot about it. Walked back in the kitchen was like, Oh, I got to do this for this video and looked down and just immediately there was a solid pink line. Mm-hmm. It was lot, but it was there. Just started crying. The dog was like, what is going on? <laughs> the dog was my emotional support animal. Yes. So I hid it for my husband and then like just did a little, gift to to tell them that we were expecting Mm -hmm. so fun (laughs) it was so it was so cute and um if you scroll back on her tiktok or it actually is it one of your pinned it's not it's not not. anymore no um but it's such a cute video and you need to go watch it for sure but um shortly after you found out that you were pregnant yes you got sick yes And it was very traumatic because that was the worst week of my life. But Mm -hmm. it was honestly like I sat there and think about that time and I thought that was bad. And that was a joke. That was the easiest part about all of it. Yeah, I know. But um, so literally like a, I don't know, was it like a few weeks? I was five weeks. Yeah, five weeks. And she unfortunately got, you know, the 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 big C. The big C. Not the big, big C, but the big C. Yeah. And um, so, but you were like really sick. Yes. And um, so sick that you were, like, worried about everything yes. going on. And so you went to the doctor. Right. We had, um, in, like, the first couple of days that I had it, we had, like, a bleeding scare that mm-hmm. kind of, to me, was looking like the beginning of what could be a miscarriage. Right. So that alone, you know, when you're positive for COVID, obviously... OBs don't want you in their office and that's understandable. Mm -hmm. So I was also not established with my new OB and didn't want to go back to my old one Mm -hmm. just for personal reasons that I just didn't want her over my care. Mm -hmm. Um, So we went to just kind of like a nurse practitioner and she tested like my HCG levels. Those all came back normal, um, but I just wasn't getting better Mm -hmm. near the end of the week. And I was like, to the point where I wasn't eating or drinking anymore, mm-hmm. just from my throat was like, almost felt like it was kind of like swelling up. Yeah. So we went to another doctor um, at the end of the week because the other one still wasn't in clinic. And she was just kind of like, I want to see where the baby's at to rule out like an ectopic mm-hmm. pregnancy. So right. that was our, our first ultrasound or first scary ultrasound. <laughs> yes. And you found out some kind of crazy stuff that day. Yes. That was the first time I had ever heard of a bicornate uterus. Mm-hmm. Um, when the ultrasound tech was looking, she said, oh, there's two. And I... I'm, Freak out. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, there's two what? <laughs> like, I mean, yes, I want a baby. Two of them, I don't know if I'm ready for that. You know, it's just kind of like one of those things. Yeah. But you're already, like, sick and you're in there. Right. And then, you know... I don't think like the ultrasound tech really is supposed to tell you anything. Right. But she did tell me that and she was able to like show me the heartbeat and the baby was like in the right spot. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but then like, of course, when the primary doctor or whatever called me, she didn't know much about like the condition and what that meant. So right. your girl Googled. Oh yeah. And she and shouldn't that's the have. worst thing. <laughs> that was the absolute worst thing. The worst thing to do when all of that is going on with any kind of sickness, it's like not, do not do that. Just, no. And I'm, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I've done it in the past. Obviously everyone does, but. Webbing day. It'll get you every time. It'll get you every time. Cause it tells you the worst of the worst. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, um, so you found out that and, yes. um, then you knew that you would need to get into a high risk OBGYN. Yeah. Essentially. We kind of already were leaning towards that anyway because I'm epileptic. Right. So we were kind of like, if we have, you know, the access to that resource, we might as well use it. Right. You know, I really wanted somebody that had handled high risk. And like I said, the the other OB that I went to, I just didn't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so when I decided to choose the new OB, I chose the facility, the OB, mm-hmm. everything in that matter, just because I knew that I wanted somebody that was in Birmingham, right. first and foremost. Right. And um, I'd heard a lot of good things about Grandview mm-hmm. as a whole, and I just knew from the beginning that that's where I wanted to deliver. Yeah, for sure. Um, so once you finally got into your... OBGYN, your high-risk high risk OBGYN. Tell me a little bit about kind of what that looked like, what that appointment was like, um, and just what she kind of walked y'all through. So um, she, and I'm going to name drop because, you know, I respect the heck out of her, but it's Dr. Micklick at yes. Grandview. She's with Women's Health Specialist. Mm-hmm. I literally would trust that woman with my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say it over and over and over again. Um, I feel like these women that are not happy with their OB care, go get an OB Mm -hmm. that you trust because you're putting your baby's life in her hands. And that doesn't become like, I guess for first time moms, realistic until you're there. Right. And then you're like, uh, because you can't go back once you're, you know. Mm -hmm. So getting in with her, um, obviously the first appointment was a lot. You know, she went over a lot of stuff. One, we didn't know about the condition at all. It's actually, I think, considered like a deformity mm-hmm. in your uterus. Um, two, you're automatically talking about, um, you know, what worst case would look like. Mm-hmm. You know, losing the baby, miscarrying, right. that type of thing. And you're kind of like in the weeks to come, you're kind of like in a danger zone. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she said, if you make it, you know, this, this week, whatever, blah, 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 just do this, call us if this happens, you know, bleeding, anything like that. The bleeding scare was just from the implant, implantation, implantation. Mm-hmm. if I can speak. Mm-hmm. Um, it was from that. So we were really like, you know, hopeful that we were going to make it past those few couple weeks Mm -hmm. and get to where we needed to be to just kind of go to the next step. Right. But also on the other hand, we're like worried because we all of a sudden have this issue that we didn't know we had before we got pregnant and we're about to put a child through it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's sketch. It was sketchy. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what, like, I know you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but, like, what is it like? Like, you were so excited getting pregnant. Yes. You know, it kind of happened quickly. Um, so quickly, in fact, that you weren't in with your OBGYN, like you said. Right. And, you know, you're doing all this research trying to figure out where to go. You found a good one. Mm-hmm. But when you found out that, you know, this baby might come early. 
Yeah. What were what was running through your mind during all of that? So for me, honestly, like I would talk about it a lot. If she came early, I know that you were there for majority mm-hmm. of that because I would come in and I would say, if this happens, then this right. this is, you know, I, I would kind of just play it out in my head. And I don't think that I really came to the terms that she was going to come early until like my cervix started thinning. And mm-hmm. it was like, okay, you know, you're, you are kind of looking at preterm labor. Right. Cause I mean, they can't tell you for sure you're going to go into labor early or right. you're going to carry to full yeah. term. They mm-hmm. would just always say, you know, we're going to prepare you for this, but you could carry to full term. Mm-hmm. You know, we can give you these steroids and do this for the baby, mm-hmm. but you might carry her to full term, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of like staying ahead of the game. Um, I think the scariest part and when we kind of started to get a lot more worried about it was when we were sent to UAB to um, those high risk doctors. Yes. And they are, I think, like the highest whatever. They have the most training mm-hmm. in that. And he had seen it a lot. You know, he had dealt with these types of issues his entire career. Mm-hmm. And he just said, if you make it to this many weeks, their survival rate goes up by this much. Mm-hmm. And then me and Lawton were both just kind of like, uh. So then, like, in the back of your mind, like, that's the goal. Yes. Like, you want to make it to that. So right. That you, can, you can't even think about get, possibly getting to full term because you're like, no, no, I need to make it here. Yeah. Um. So I know we keep talking about all these complications and all these issues. Obviously, she said she had a bicornea bi- uterus, which mm-hmm. basically essentially means there are two separate parts of your uterus and you could have gotten pregnant in the other side in the other side (laughs) even after you were already pregnant with this baby but when you went to UAB um they were thinking that maybe she had something going on with her heart is that correct they saw something so when Dr. Micklick decided to refer us this is one of the most things I respect about her too is that when she looked over everything she was like, I'm not that familiar with this. Right. And I want to send you to somebody to look over everything. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, the baby's weight wasn't where it needed to be. Right. Mm-hmm. She wasn't growing the way that, you know, she kind of thought. Which by the time we got to him, he was happy with right. her weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so she just really impressed us by just, you know, saying, I really want to get this checked out again and then get the heart checked out as well. Um, but on the ultrasound, when we got to them, there wasn't anything, anything. that they were concerned about mm-hmm. with her heart. So yes. that was a huge, you know, relief because that appointment was obviously like we were on edge going there. Right. Especially, you know, since we've got all this other stuff and then we're just going to, you know, throw in a heart problem, you know, we're like, uh. <laughs> right. But then after that, so um, I'm kind of playing this through in my head because I obviously was there for the whole thing. The entire thing. <laughs> On the sidelines. Um, but so after that, you know, you were kind of sent back to your original OBGYN. Uh, I kind of want to backtrack now because I think we've kind of skipped over like one of the main or not main things, but a very important part of your whole pregnancy journey. Mm-hmm. Um, before you were pregnant, you were diagnosed with anxiety and depression. Yes. And you were, you know, in therapy and all of that for yes. that. And that kind of, would you say it kind of subsided prior to finding out that you were pregnant a little bit? Yeah. I felt like I, I got into a better place than I had been. Mm-hmm. You know, I think after 
the wedding and everything, like that stress was done, mm-hmm. I kind of just like calmed down. Right. Well, then like you all of a sudden get pregnant and you're not even like worried about yourself anymore. You have this whole other human being mm-hmm. inside of you that right. is, you know, you you have to keep alive. I mean, I know that sounds weird because when they come out, it's a completely different story and you actually do have to keep them alive. Yeah. You've got to eat this. Don't do that. Don't drink coffee. Blah, blah, blah. You know. <laughs> right. And you're like, I'm addicted. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> yeah, but um, so you started having, that kind of ramped back up again. Once yeah. you started finding out all about all these problems and issues, even before you knew about, you know, the heart stuff and that you might deliver prematurely, right. I think you had kind of had some anxiety about losing her once you yes. found out that you had the different uterus and all this stuff. Yeah. Correct? Yes. I literally called my OB at one point and said, I just don't think she's alive anymore. Yeah. And I mean, I think that she kind of caught on at that point Mm -hmm. that it was a, an issue. And then, um, when like one day, I think literally Lawton had somebody over, I really can't remember what triggered it, but I was just like in the bathtub, like Mm boohooing for no reason. And like, you can blame it on pregnancy hormones all day long. Right. You really can. Will you cry at sad movies? Sure. I'm Mm -hmm. sure you would. Would you go eat and cry yourself sleep? Yeah, probably. But, like, to the point where you physically do not want to get out of the bathtub, mm-hmm. I knew, okay, like, this is prenatal. And mm-hmm. called my mom and was like, just come, because mom's always, Lawton doesn't understand anxiety. Mm-hmm. He doesn't understand depression. He tries. But um, I just called mom and I was like, yeah, I think that I'm, like, facing a problem. Mm-hmm. And she just basically gave me the advice, you know, you don't want postpartum. You know, it's better to just go ahead and get on to like some type of medication now mm-hmm. versus waiting and then going through postpartum. Yes. And then so you you did get on medication and thankfully that I mean, what would, would you say? Like within a couple of weeks you were. Yeah, I learned after getting on the medication that I got on when I was pregnant that no other medication worked. I mean, this like this time around, it literally nipped it mm-hmm. like I after everything that I had gone through Mm -hmm. just with the birth and everything else, like at the end of the day, I would be sitting in the corner crying Mm -hmm. if I was not medicated. Yeah. So like I knew that I was on the right medication. Yeah. This time. Yeah. Versus last. Which is huge. And I just want, I know that we bring a lot of awareness to like mental health and everything on, you know, our platform. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like you making that decision that you like you knew that this was what was going to be best for you and your baby yeah like that's huge and I applaud you for that because a lot of people wouldn't have done that and they would have yeah. just spent their entire pregnancy you know essentially miserable and depressed and anxious about everything I mean when you're anxious that your baby is dead or going to die mm-hmm. like that that is just like a whole different mentality right and something that is so hard to handle even for somebody who has never had anxiety or depression before right so I applaud you for that. Good job. Thanks. Um, so talk about, let's talk about the pregnancy glow. There ain't one. (laughs) Y'all are lying. Somebody lied to me. (laughs) Literally. I mean, you hear about it all the time. Like you hear like, oh my gosh, you're glowing. And you know, all these people that are like holding their bellies all the time. And they're just like, I just love being pregnant. I have a friend that loves being pregnant. She's lying. And I'm telling you, she does. Like she's told me and she, and she does glow. Like she literally glows when she's pregnant and it's crazy. But like, 
I can, I feel like it's not talked about enough. Like there are some people that are absolutely miserable. And that's okay. Yes. That's absolutely okay. And you had a lot of sickness in your first, well, I mean. Well into my second. Well into your second Mm -hmm. trimester. Yeah. Which was hard. Yes. Because not only, not only the sick part, but then you have to take, like, I was put on like stuff for nausea and stuff well that makes you tired you're already tired Mm -hmm. I mean you get like some little spark of energy later on but it's not I mean Finnergan's gonna knock that straight out yeah you know I was just dragging yeah so and like trying like you can't you don't want to eat because you know like you're gonna get sick or you're you feel sick already so you're not hungry and you're like but I know I need to eat for my baby and so it's like oh my gosh what do you even do at that point but thankfully you kind of grew out of that. Yes. Um, and then you were craving everything. everything. Talk about what you were craving. God, what was I? Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel. Uh, grape juice. Oh, grape my God. Juice, yeah. I was making myself sick <laughs> off grape juice. I put it in a wine glass to feel normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything I had to do. <laughs> to feel normal. That's hilarious. I think that those were like the main two things. We did have, um, you don't, you're not really big on Mexican food. Like no, prior to pregnancy. I never told you this because it was so freaking sad. I wanted to eat. I wanted the package of tortillas and mm-hmm. just the tortilla. I would just sit there and eat a uh-uh. whole, yeah, a whole tortilla mm. for no reason. Yeah. Sounds not good. I know. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so yeah, pregnancy glow, not, not all it's cracked up to be. Not for everyone. No. Um, let's see here. How has postpartum been? Postpartum is fantastic. Is it? Yes. Um, I really feel like once I, because, okay, when people talk about, obviously, I'm sure we'll talk about the NICU, and, mm-hmm. but um, one of the really big things that I wanted to talk about is the positive side of the NICU, and it kind of goes in with my postpartum. Um, one, I didn't have a traumatic birth, and Everybody always wants to just like assume like, oh, you had this traumatic birth because you went into labor this early, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, I really want to make a point to say I didn't have a traumatic birth because of the care that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an OB that literally prepared me for every situation that literally. we were we were going to go through it. We, were, we could be looking at this. We could be looking at this. I'm going to do this. Came like showed face as many times as she could mm-hmm. to explain to us everything. When she admitted us to the hospital, she's like, I'm not sending you home because you live an hour away. Mm -hmm. And I mean, just all of that could have been so bad if it was done differently. Um, But I got up that like right when my epidural wore off because I had to get up to go see Mm -hmm. the baby in the NICU. Right. So um, I didn't have any swelling. I didn't have to take any pain medication after. Uh, Did it? I mean, yeah, you're like, it's sore because you just got cut open. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're sore. But I just didn't feel like it was enough, and I didn't want to be, like, drugged going to see mm-hmm. the baby. I wanted to spend time. Right. So, that was actually the best part for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there are some women out there that like to, like, just scare new moms. It's such a thing. Everybody loves to scare new moms. Yeah. And I am here to tell you, if it goes anything like mine, that was a great time. Yeah. I was having fun. Yeah. I was laughing during you my section. Absolutely. You you were having a great time. Yeah. Um, let's backtrack because I've already got ahead of myself. But so leading up to Baby Lemon being here. Yes. Obviously the weeks prior to all of that going down, like within a week span. Mm-hmm. Um 
they were concerned about your cervix thinning. You've already mentioned that. Yes. And basically that means that your body's just preparing for yep. pregnancy. About to have a about to have a baby. Yeah. And <clears throat> so you were given some medicine to try to um thicken it. Thicken it and then also steroids to Make sure yes. her lungs were maturing at a faster rate. And I think, did you, you had that and then you went back maybe a week later and they checked you and they said you were the same-ish? We went to my, do you not remember me? We went to my 40 and I literally asked you, I said, Carrie, our 40 is diagnostic because I knew I was going to fail it. No, yeah, but I thought that you had already, I don't know why I thought that we had, you had been through the first round of steroids. I did, yeah, because you gave me that. You gave me one of the steroid right. shots. Yeah. Yeah. So when I went for that checkup, that was the one checkup I went and Dr. Micklick wasn't in the office and it was a nurse practitioner. Right. And she was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was actually the one that it was the same. And she was like, listen, let's just go ahead and do some steroids for the baby. You right. Know? Mm-hmm. And she was the one that kind of told me to, you know, you could carry her, but just mm-hmm. in case, if we're going to have a preemie, we're going to have the healthiest preemie. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's when I got the first round of steroids. Yes. And then, you know, we had, I didn't want to have the 40. Thank mm-hmm. thank goodness we had it. Oh, yeah. Because we weren't scheduled to go really back in to see the doctor till that Friday and we went on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So if we wouldn't have gone then, I probably would have gone into labor at home and had no idea. Yep. And that probably would have been awful. Yes. So went in for your 40. Yep. It They're was, sitting there. No. You're sitting there. They were like. Mm, that ain't it don't like this don't I'm like what uncomfy. i'm seeing i'm uncomfy i'm uncomfy that's the thing that i remember her telling me mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then did doctor come in or did they yeah we went over to see the doctor she kind of looked at things she came in and i was i was thinking bed rest i said this is it yeah i'm not gonna be i'm gonna have to stay in the bed this entire time the rest of the pregnancy i kept yep. looking at a lot and i said this is it mm-hmm. and i had been and like, I knew that I was going to be put on bed rest. Right. Well, then she like comes in and she's like, so this is where we're at. Mm-hmm. You know, with it, the thing about it was like with pressure, it was thinned even more. Right. Well, of course you're like, you always put pressure on, like if you're standing, if you're sitting, like mm-hmm. there's no way to not do that. Mm-hmm. So she was like, I want to admit you for observation. And so we got admitted and I was think we were thinking we were going to go home the next day actually, because... Mm-hmm. I was at like a three. I was dialing yeah, to a three. They hooked you up to all this. Oh yeah, they were like, stuff. "You're having contractions. Do you feel anything?" I was like, "No, don't feel a thing. Nothing." I think it was like ten an hour starting out, and they're like, "She was like nothing, no pressure." And I was like, "Nope, nothing, nothing." And then, um, so she was like, "You can be at a three for this many weeks." You know, that doesn't really mean anything. But when she came back the next day, I was at five, mm-hmm. and um, so then they really started yeah. the medicine, trying to stop it. Yeah. Mature the lungs, all the things. She, uh, she actually, like, came back down after seeing us already that day. And she was like, listen, I thought about it, and I want to go ahead. And that's a, that's another thing, because she could have just called the nurses and said, put mm-hmm. this order in, tell her we're going to do this. Yeah. She literally had her little bag. And she was ready to go. She was ready to go home. <laughs> and she came down, she's like, I thought about it. Let's go ahead and do another, like, round of emergency steroids, whatever. And then magnesium sulfate, which was the worst part yeah. of the whole entire thing. And, um... She said, you're going to be MPO after midnight. And I was like, "Uh." and Lawton's over there. No idea. I'm like, okay, well, our daughter's probably going to be here tomorrow. (laughs) So So the next day, I just remember, um, I don't know if I text you or what, but I just remember getting a phone call. 
yep. from you. Because obviously we work together every day and I knew that she was there. And so she's like, all right, well, we're having this baby today. Yep. <laughs> I was like, here she goes. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, no way. She's like, yep, within the hour. Yep. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. So crazy. But um, talk, I mean, you really didn't have, I mean, you had time to prepare. You were like, okay, yeah, maybe I'll you have were, a C-section tomorrow. Right. And you think, like, you would think I'd be cool, calm, and collected by the next day. But right when she came in, she, like, checked me, was out of five, and she said, like, I had never heard her say, you're going to have a C-section, and this is how it's going to go down. She came, she told us the business. Mm-hmm. You're having a C-section. We've got to do this within the next hour, blah, blah, blah. And the only question I could get out, are you doing it? Because, I mean, I didn't want anybody else to touch me. Yeah. I was like, so, just because she knew everything. Right. She had gone through this entire thing with us. She's like, yes, you know, you you will be in the OR mm-hmm. within the hour. And I said, mm-hmm. okay. So, at that point, when she left, people rushed in. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they're, like, hooking you up. They're doing this. They're pushing meds. They're putting, like, all kinds of stuff. And my anxiety is just, like, through the roof because not only is this my first major surgery, this is my first major surgery awake, mm-hmm. you know? And on top of that, I'm about to bring a life. very, very, very early life into this world. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if she's going to be breathing. I don't know if she's going to need to be put on. Like, there's so many things that you don't think about, even in that point in time, that after you just think about it and you're like, gosh, like, this was not normal, mm-hmm. you know? But, um, like, they willed, a, willed me in. Lawton's, like, running in there in his little <laughs> gown. And he's, like, trying to comfort me. And I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> and, and, like, we just started, like, having a normal conversation. We were cackling. I thought we were going to get in trouble because we were just, like, di- like, once they started cutting, I was fine because I couldn't feel anything. Yeah. But the moment... One of the biggest things is the moment that she was born that is so important for me to share to women, people, anything like that is because every person says when you have a baby, you're going to feel this just knockdown bond and you're going to love them unconditionally Mm -hmm. the moment you lay on, like right when you see them. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't the case for us. Mm -hmm. Either one of us, we both talked about it. And of course, like now we would claw someone's eyeballs out for her. I mean, we would literally kill for her. Mm -hmm. But we, they pulled her out and we got like a split second, which I know a lot of like other Nikki moms don't get that moment. Mm -hmm. Like they're rushed immediately. Mm -hmm. Layton was, you know, breathing on her own at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, they put her in between us and I swear we looked at her and we looked at each other and we were like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> like, did we just have this baby? Yeah. You know, but we also didn't get to like hold her. Mm-hmm. So all we were doing was looking at her mm-hmm. and God love her. She's a little wet chicken. Wet chicken. <laughs> little wet chicken looking girl. Little three pounds, three ounces, right? Yep. Tiny. Yeah. But I will say the picture of her up by your face, she looks like a doll. She yeah. really did look like a doll. She didn't look it was it was crazy because in all of her pictures really, she looked perfect. Like yeah. she looked like a baby. She didn't look like an average baby. But preemie. then um seeing her in person like you definitely yeah. it's like different. Now, it's a big difference. I'm like you're cute girl. Mm-hmm. Like she's cute. you are so she's chunky, got them she rolls. She ain't a little wet chicken no more, no. that's for sure. Um so baby was born and then obviously they take her um straight away. to the NICU. Mm-hmm. When you're um, in a birth to um 
because I didn't, uh, I, like, I thought that many people were always in a C-section. Apparently not. Um, the whole NICU, not the whole, but the NICU team is there. Mm-hmm. And they basically just take the baby once mm-hmm. um, they get her out and they automatically go up to the NICU and hook her up. And the dad goes up there for that process. Mm-hmm. That's also very scary because you're just left alone and mm-hmm. you just had a baby and your husband leaves and you have no idea really, like, what's going on. Yeah. You're on morphine like get your epidural Mm -hmm. but um so that's a different process too I don't I because I don't know what normal is really but I've just heard you know like you get a moment with your baby when you have Mm -hmm. it after the c-section and Mm -hmm. all that but we just kind of got like a brief hey here she is bye yeah exactly and she was 30 weeks I don't know if we said that already so 10 weeks early yeah Um, and then like you've already said, you know, you didn't have a lot of pain. Obviously you were sore, didn't take any pain medicine. When the epidural wore off, you went upstairs to see her. And what was that like? Like when you saw her in that. It feels fake. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm like, I told myself I was going to be real doing this. Mm -hmm. The realest I can be because I just feel like. They tell you so much a certain way that you're supposed to feel, and it just doesn't. Like, that bond just did not come for us straight off the bat. Mm-hmm. You know, I cared about her. I obviously wanted her to live, and I wanted her to be able to come home with us. But it was just kind of like an it was like an out-of-body experience. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I, I always say is that, I knew that I started to like really, really, really like truly just have that bond with her when I looked at her and I kind of saw myself. Mm -hmm. And it's like weird because, you know, yeah, they're supposed to look like you and everything. She looks more like her dad than me. But every time I would look at her, I just kind of like saw like like a familiar looking face. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of when I started to know that, okay, like, okay, this is my child and Mm -hmm. I will wreck you. If you come near her. You will die. Yeah. Um, She was born on a Friday and then what, Monday y'all went home? Yes. And talk about how that was. Like, because y'all live an hour away. Yeah. I know at one point we had talked about you staying here, but right. um, I, that didn't end up working out. I mean, we I just, guess for jo- logistical reasons, dog, yeah. Lawton being gone, back to work, all that stuff. And just being in your own space, honestly. Like, we felt like we had so much to do at home. Um, yeah, because obviously they were not prepared for, I mean, it's not that they weren't prepared. It was just, no, you can say that we were not prepared. Well, (laughs) we didn't have nothing. There was not a shower that had been done yet. The shower was supposed to be like that Saturday. Yeah. We bought invitations. Yeah. What a waste. (sighs) Um, but no shower. So like they didn't have, y'all didn't have anything. Like y'all had big things like her crib and right. We had crib and clothes. Crib and clothes. That's it. But everything else, things that she needs, nothing. Yeah. Um, so basically they had to get all that prepared for when she would come home, which you didn't know when that would be at that time. Um, how many weeks was she, she was in there six weeks? Yeah. Six weeks, 42 days. 42 days. In the NICU. I know there were a few, um, like, there's some false hope in there a few times when y'all thought that y'all were going to get to bring her home. Yeah. And they don't, like, they kind of have, like, their policy on how they do things. And it's to not get the parents' hopes up on, like, when they'll get to come home. Mm -hmm. And I understand it. But it's so hard. Mm Because you just want to, like, 
annoy the crap out of the nurses and be like, you know, every day you're going, in, okay, did they have a Brady today? Or did their oxygen drop today? Or mm-hmm. how much are they eating? What, how much do they weigh? Because there's like this whole checklist that they have to like complete in order to be able to go home. Um, but like when one thing would go down, they would do go on another thing. Then another thing would go down and they would be doing, and so it would like not, and then until one day it would just kind of click and they mm-hmm. would line up on everything that they're supposed to do to be able to get discharged. Mm-hmm. So... So talk about, um, I know we've talked about postpartum a little bit, but talk about it like with the respect that like you went home mm-hmm. and there was no baby there. Right. And you have this scar and all these things to show for it, but no baby. Yeah. So talk about how that was. I know you went to see her very often, like nearly every day, mm-hmm. but just being home, knowing that you have a child, but the child's not there. Right. What is that like? Did you... I mean, I know you said you didn't experience any postpartum depression or anything like that, but yeah, did you experience any baby blues or anything? Absolutely. I mean, when we left, I think that um, the hardest part out of all that was like she was doing so good when we were admitted. And then when we got discharged was when she kind of took like her first big spill. Mm-hmm. And so going home, you know, you're kind of, it's almost like you're waiting on a phone call. And I think for me, like being around all of her stuff was more comforting to me because mm-hmm. I was like, I, I've got to get, you know, I had those first couple of weeks of I've got to get stuff ready for, her. you know, I need to get this done. And like, I could come up with like a routine and which I mean, no, it didn't stick, but it was good for, you know, to keep yeah. my mind off of it. Right. But, um, so we went through like all of that and, um, I just spent time in her nursery a lot. And, like, mm-hmm. there was a lot of women that I saw. Like, I posted a TikTok about it when she was born, just, like, kind of announcing that she was born and what she was going through. There were so many women that just said so many encouraging things to me. Mm-hmm. So TikTok was kind of, like, an outlet for me, too. Like, I would do those or, like, try. Even if I didn't post them, there was a lot of them that I just didn't post because I don't really like being that vulnerable on the Internet, I guess. <laughs> I don't like to cry. <laughs> but, um like just being able to keep myself busy while she was in there. But um, the first couple nights were hard. Like you don't sleep because you're just worried about like what could happen Mm -hmm. while you're not there. Um, But then you kind of like, as the weeks go on, you create like a trust in all of these amazing people that work in the NICU. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they're like better off with them Mm -hmm. because they're professionals. They do this every day. Right. Like, you know, that they need them to survive. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of, it kind of shifts into like, they're her primary caretaker. Like mentally, you just kind of let that go for a little bit, which Mm -hmm. is hard. Mm -hmm. But, um, I say all the time, one of the biggest obstacles for me was um, me walking in and them telling me about my child. Right. And it's like, at at one point you get bitter, but then like now I think about it and I'm just like, God, I'm so thankful for all of them. Like mm-hmm. her doctors, the nurses especially, they are literally the most amazing people. Mm-hmm. And I wish that I like didn't have so much social anxiety and like just talked each one of their heads off like there was a couple that I could like talk to and it mm-hmm. felt easy and and everything else and but um they were all so good to her and they like there were some of them that were like favored her and I was like okay <laughs> little miss popular in the NICU obviously <laughs> obviously she yeah. has to be yes um do you want to talk about like the scariest moment that she was in the NICU or yeah 
But if I cry, nobody come at me. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. Because <laughs> now, like, I don't know. I'm such a baby now about it. I wasn't, like, I wasn't when it was happening. But, um, so, one of the things about the NICU that they do is they try not to freak you out. Mm-hmm. Um, because, one, sometimes what's a serious, you know, health issue to them is not what it is. Like, to uh, like they see preemies every day, and preemies go through these things every day. So, mm-hmm. it's like, it's not that big of a deal to them. Right. It's going to be a big deal to you because it's your child. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the time that, you know, was the hardest for Lawton and I was when she, uh, basically, they found a collapsed lung. Both of her lungs had kind of collapsed. And, um you know, we were still admitted and one of the nurse practitioners walked into the room and she was like explaining it to us. And she was just like, you know, we had to do this and we need to put a chest tube in and et cetera, et cetera. And we're like, okay. And she just asked if we wanted to come see her before. And that kind of, I mean, for a second, you're just like, why do I, you know, like, why are you, you kind of like just, if two plus two is four, you know, (laughs) Okay, like, we need to go see our kid, you know, because something's going on. Mm-hmm. And um, walking in, you know, the nurse practitioner really had to make, like, a, a call to stick, like, an IV needle straight into her chest to let the air out. So, mm-hmm. that kind of, like, let us know that it was more serious than, you know, what I think that she was telling us, which is fine. Mm-hmm. You know, that's literally their job. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, that, you know, this is kind of one of those things that, goes wrong that you could lose your child Mm -hmm. and that's when I became a mom Mm -hmm. you know because right then like after that it's just like something clicks in your head and it's like survival mode you know because we had never really had any worry until she had hit that moment right um so and that wasn't even like the worst part this was so bad but so after seeing her you know they are explaining to us the process of putting a chest tube in and you're talking about like at this point a two pound girl you know she had lost all that fluid so she's teeny tiny Mm -hmm. you know her lungs yeah she was just you could tell she was tired and um so when they went to put the chest tube in they medicated her just to you know kind of give her like a pain medication Um, Mm -hmm. so she didn't like get too rowdy because if you do your other, like the opposite side could collapse and they didn't want to put a chest tube on that side. Right. So, um, in that process, when they did give her the medication, she stopped breathing. So obviously that was a lot for us to process as parents. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, one, your child's in pain. Two, they're putting a chest tube in because she can't breathe. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and then three, she actually truly stops breathing Mm -hmm. um so she was put on the vent and we just kind of were like we need to take one thing at a time because her lungs need to get better and the nurse practitioner just kept saying just think of this as rest and she did need rest Mm -hmm. I mean she absolutely did she was tired you could tell she was tired Mm -hmm. but then the next day she was like no no ma'am I don't (laughs) want this in my mouth anymore (laughs) get this out pull that pulled that ventilator out and then um the chest tube was clamped off I think two days later Mm -hmm. and so um one of the things that they're worried about was pulling the chest tube and then you know making it worse so I think they kind of gave her a break and then they didn't give her the same medication to pull the chest tube so Mm -hmm. she did well with that I was very very worried at that point because you're just like I don't know what's gonna happen Mm -hmm. but it was always 
good that I felt like it wasn't like her body giving up. It was just like she was medicated and it kind of just, she just wanted to like be knocked out for a minute. Yeah. And then come back. Yeah. But she made it. She She made made it. it. (laughs) She gave me gray hair. So literally just seeing the progression of everything that she's been through. It's like so crazy. And like to see her now, it's like, how? Like how did that little wet chicken wet noodle chicken turn into this that's so crazy and you you saw her at her worst she was like a day old she was tiny tiny and like i said like it literally when so we really um lawton walked me back yeah and lawton was like I need you to prepare yourself before you walk in. And Lawton's not a serious guy. No. Never been serious a day in his life. But he was literally like, I need you to prepare yourself before you walk in here. Yeah. And I was like, "Um, (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) cry. Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously when I walked in there, I was shocked because like I said, like the pictures that you had sent of her up until that point, like obviously she looks small, but seeing her in the, you know, uh, what do you call it? We call it the incubator. It's the forbidden fish. Her tanning bed. Um, it just, it just like all came, you know, around and I was like, Oh my God, like she's literally here so early and she's so tiny. Um, but she did so great. I mean, she she really did. And like for her to come out and not have to be on the ventilator immediately. Insane. And then, I mean, obviously she had that little setback, but she came back and she's crazy. Just like killing all these, you know, milestones. And it's just like, wow, like that's crazy. And six weeks is a long time. Don't get me wrong. Like that's a long time to be in the, the NICU. But I know that there were a lot of other parents in there with you too, that you got to see and you got, it's Talk about how hard it is to see your baby doing so well and other babies not doing as well as she was doing. It's awful. Obviously, when you become a mom, you tend to have just more compassion, especially when you're in the same situation. Right. But it's the same situation, but it's like different. You Mm -hmm. know, there's babies that are in there that are full term and in there for different reasons. Nikki's Mm -hmm. not just for premature babies. So you kind of like see a bunch of different scenarios um, you know, there's little, little ones that are in there that are like 23, 24 weeks. And you're just like, you sit there cause they do little like arts and crafts with their footprints mm-hmm. and you're staring at this footprint and you're just like, how in the world are you here? Mm-hmm. And then you want to like the first like little slot she went to or little room is like basically an open room and it's Later on, we find that that's, like, the critical, like, area. You can go into a pod when they get, like, a little more stable. Mm -hmm. It's still considered, like, the ICU, but, you know, they can move into your own room so you can have some privacy. Um, So, being in there, you kind of see everything, and you can hear everything. And the doctors are making rounds, and they're saying this or that. And you can't, you feel like you shouldn't celebrate like Mm -hmm. you want to jump up and down because you're so happy but then you have compassion for another mom that's right next to you that you know they've been there forever or you know they they're not doing well they have an infection they they have something else going on Mm -hmm. and you just feel for them because now you're a mom and like it's a huge perspective because you're like that could be me Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of women out there that have way worse experiences than I did with the NICU Mm -hmm. and I it just breaks my heart I don't, I don't know how they would be in the NICU and like for 
weeks and weeks, sometimes months, mm-hmm. and possibly like think of the fact to come home without your kid is just Awful. heartbreaking. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, tips for parents with babies in the NICU? Anything that was kind of your saving grace or? Number one, take care of yourself. Um, I know people say it all the time, but, um, honestly, I did so much better getting up in the morning, taking my time, getting ready, mm-hmm. whether that meant curling my hair, putting makeup on and putting sweats on. It didn't matter. Try to do something for yourself. Um, you also will feel guilt no matter what. Yeah. You're going to feel guilt. Yeah. It's, I have, I wasn't there long enough. I didn't hold her long enough. I wasn't there for a feeding. I wasn't there for this. I'm telling you that that stuff you will have so much time with your baby when you get home mm-hmm. and I know they like like all the NICU nurses are like rest and they always like what you know how are you doing all that stuff they were great about that I never felt like it was coming from them mm-hmm. and I mean we were there up there every day and I think most every parent is mm-hmm. but you really do have to take care of yourself to take care of your child right and right now you need to let the nurses do their job mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. Let the nurses do your jo- their de- job and mm-hmm. you, like you said, like literally just take care of yourself because otherwise, not that being in the NICU is a blessing because it's not, I mean, it's like, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. Like, you know, your baby needs to be there, but you also want them to be with you, but take the time that you have when your baby is yeah. there and you unfortunately have to be at home and just you know, get yourself together, do what you got to do at home and rest. There's, there's also, there is positives to being in the NICU though. I know like, I feel like everybody has like this dark cloud over it Mm -hmm. and that's okay too. Cause obviously, yeah, you're going to go through some stuff when you're in the NICU, but most of the time you're able to heal before your baby comes home. Yeah. You're able to have access to all these resources of NICU nurses that know so much more than you. You're getting CPR before you leave. Mm -hmm. So you know what to do in an emergency situation. Like, Mm -hmm. Not every parent gets that. Right. You know, you hear about women all the time that, like, just gets at home, like, a day later. And they're like, see ya. You know. Good luck. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like you have, like, a lot more, like, encouragement and advice Mm -hmm. and everything. When I was in the NICU, I just felt like, you know, I wasn't, obviously, I wasn't ready. But Mm -hmm. I felt like, oh, okay, this, I could do this probably. Yeah. Because you get, like, a little toe in the water when you go in there and you, like, change your diaper or whatever. Yeah. Feed her. (laughs) Yeah, change your diaper for the first time or get to feed her. Yeah. Um, I think... We're pretty much wrapping up and you can talk about whatever you want to after this last question that I have. But um, going back to your uterus and mm-hmm. obviously knowing all the risks that would come with another pregnancy again, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think that you would ever, well, I mean, I know the answer to this, but <laughs> <laughs> for our audience, what to conceive or not to conceive is the question. So it's obviously up to whoever that's, you know, your body, your choice. Mm -hmm. Um, Lawton and I have talked about this a lot and there's a ton of people that are just like, Oh, do you just wait till she gets two or three? You'll say you want another one. It's not about that anymore Mm -hmm. for us. It's honestly about the scenario of having another child and them not being as successful as Leighton was. Right. And, I personally and he personally chooses to not do that, Mm -hmm. you know, and it is kind of heartbreaking because when you do have a kid, you're like, oh, this is fantastic. Like you never experience a better love, anything like that. Mm -hmm. But um, so it's kind of like a mourning period. Like you're just like, you know, sad that it's your last one. But, you know, you just know, like both of him and I made that decision that this we weren't going to do this again. 
Mm-hmm. And that's just due to the fact of, you know, if another baby wouldn't do as well as Layton did. Right. So, right. Sad, but, you know, we got our one little miracle. So she is a miracle and she's she perfect. Is. is there anything else that you can think of that you wanted to talk about that we didn't touch on? I feel like we've touched on literally everything. We did. And I feel like Courtney can definitely be back on, you know, to talk more about. I got tons of trauma waiting for y'all. Oh, yeah. We got other things to talk about. Not just her being a mom, but especially after she officially goes back to work. What happened, you know, what that looks like for a preemie and the, you know, with her in daycare and stuff like that. We can talk about that or we can talk about all that other stuff. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot. Um, that Courtney would have to unpack. But I think that's all we have for today. Courtney, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks. Finally. I know. You've literally been on my list for so long. And I hate that my sister Courtney couldn't be here today, but I think you did a good job filling in. Yeah. Just a different version of Courtney. Yeah. Different version. It's fine. Um, But thank you again for being on really means the world. And I hope that this reaches somebody and helps somebody that is either going through this or, you know, worried that their baby might be in the NICU at some point. Um, Yeah. So thank you again. Thanks. And I love you so much. And we love you so much. Thank you guys for being so patient with me and Courtney. Uh, my sister Courtney, <laughs> the past three weeks, um, we took a much needed break and I'm ready to get back to it. Um, I will be controlling the Instagram this week. So if you reach out, just know that it's me and hopefully we'll get back in the swing of things. And we got a lot of good episodes planned. We got another guest that's going to be coming on in a couple weeks. So we're excited about that. Ooh. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for being patient and I hope you enjoyed this episode, but I will see you guys again next week. Bye guys. Bye.